Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Hey, guys. Real quick before we start the show. This is episode 240. Actually, I guess we changed it. This is pod 248. And... 248 might sound like a high number and you might not really know what that means. What it really means for us is we've been doing these podcasts every week for four and three quarter years. This season will be our fifth season covering the Orioles and we are really excited about it. Um, And we appreciate everything that you guys have done for us. Just that you listen, that you tell people and we ask that you continue to do that. Even though it's the off season, you know how it is. There's lots of stuff to talk about with the Orioles, even with the offseason. So we're asking for your help and your support, both financially if you want to. We're, we've got some stuff up on our website uh, under support that you can uh, support us financially. Or if you're a business, you can come on and sponsor us as we try to raise some money so that we can get back down to Sarasota in March and have some really special shows this year for spring training. Also, if you don't want to... Uh, or can't afford to help us out financially, we ask that you spread the word. Talk about 336 on Reddit. Spread the word there. Tell people on Twitter. Have your friends and family. Make sure they're subscribing to Section 336. All of this stuff helps a whole lot. We are very thankful for another year with you guys as we're wrapping up. This is our end of the season year show. And we can't wait to do it again in 2018 for another 52 straight weeks. Uh, we're looking forward to the baseball season. This episode, you will love if you're an Oriole fan because we barely get have time to touch on the Ravens. Thank you again for just checking us out every week. And uh, here is the show. Pew, pew, pew. Charlie, are you familiar with 60 Minutes, the TV show? I mean, I know that it's a TV show. <laughs> you know, the show. TV show like your parents watch. <laughs> There's this new show on CBS called 60 Minutes. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. As we enter 2018, the Orioles still have many unanswered questions, specifically in their starting rotation. And these unanswered questions have been filled with wild, and I do mean wild, speculation. So... Today we'll discuss what are those speculations and do any of them make any sense? Are you going to see Ryan Flaherty on a mound in 2018? Is Hansu Kim signing with the LG Twins basically the equivalent of Mike Mussina going to pitch for the Yankees? I'm Josh Soroka. I'm Charlie Hoppus. And I'm Matt Soroka. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. 
Open up spurs, be ready to ride. Your host, Max Shasha ready to fly. Baltimore's best, section 336. The number one sports broadcast gets your fix. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck. Our favorite Orioles, what's the latest lineup? Home runs and stolen bases, this is a trip. Stay tuned in at 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I'm your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. How? How are you doing? Good, good. And today, sitting in Bert's seat, literally sitting in Bert's seat at Bert's house, Charlie Hoppus is with us today. Charlie, welcome to Section 336. Thanks. Yeah, the window was just open, so I just uh, went through the window, and I saw that this was happening. So before I steal his laptop, I figured I'd hop on the air. Right. The, the, yeah, the, good timing. The background of Bert's basement yeah. and you using his computer is not creepy. It's the fact that you're wearing his clothes as well. That's the little odd part. <laughs> hey, if you're yeah, going to play I the mean, role, you should go all in. <laughs> We're, we're, I'm excited to get uh, I'm excited to get Charlie uh, on, on the show again. Charlie, this is I don't know you you've been on our show before though, right? A couple of times. This is not Charlie's first appearance on Section Three Three Six. I think it's my fourth appearance. Is that okay. right? Josh yeah. will know. Maybe so. I, but I kind of feel like we brought Charlie back from the dead. That I have not seen Charlie <laughs> on anything in a long time outside of Twitter. I I I did a guest appearance uh for for scott alongside jake on bird's eye view uh last summer um that is i think it for a while yeah i haven't done much much podcasting i found you know part of the joys of getting into podcasting a few years ago with you all is that it was new and novel but now every straight white male has a podcast uh so it's it's a little hard it's it's crowded out there you know couldn't handle the heat. It is. There's a lot of Baltimore. There's even a lot of Baltimore sports podcasts, and uh, at least during the baseball season, no one's as regular as us in Bird's Eye View. There's a lot of a uh, lot of podcasts that come in, come fly in for one episode, disappear, come back in two months. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, you, you got to you always got to keep your eyes peeled for uh, you always got to keep your eyes peeled for Orioles spastics. Who knows? You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting I'm, I'm still subscribed I'm still subscribed so whenever a new episode right. drops for an oral spastics I'll be ready I trust that Dean's, that feed right I trust that Dean's still around I'm pretty sure Chris is is gone with and no longer with us <laughs> uh so the th- Chris got married and Dean is a dad so uh yeah life happened quick there um I'm still uh you know I've got a girlfriend that's good I have a job now. That's good. So you know, like I'm almost an adult again. Right, you're growing like I was... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, I got the I got the wife thing, and I have I now have the the, the kid thing as my son is seven months old, and it's still possible to juggle the marriage thing and the child thing and hop on my laptop for an hour every every week. It's still yeah, possible. But you're a it's not all the time, but it's still possible. You're a veteran at this, though. This is all old hat for you. You're you're an old pro. Yeah. Well, it's props all, to Charlie for them, because because uh, uh, for you, Charlie, I feel like I think this is probably true. I'm sure this is true that you've been on more podcasts, Oriole podcasts, than anyone else in the history of the world, right? <laughs> right. He's been on everything, right? Yeah, he is. He is the Ben McDonald of the Oriole podcast. And if <laughs> someone goes on vacation, it's call Charlie up. 
Yeah. Oh God, if only I could be as just spectacular and irrelevant as Ben McDonald um, in his appearances. Can can you wrestle alligators or crocodiles? (laughs) Which one did he wrestle? I I don't know the difference. I I had I had um, alligator as an appetizer for the first time last week. That's Uh, basically the same as wrestling. Did you wrestle and kill yourself? (laughs) Someone wrestled it. Someone wrestled it. Someone deep fried it. It came with some sort of aioli sauce. It was pretty good. Deep, deep fried. I feel like anything you can eat anything deep, deep, deep fried, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If you deep fry that baby, I would eat it. But when you deep fry it, it no longer tastes like alligator. It then doesn't. (laughs) If you deep fry any meat, it tastes like chicken. It was. It was sort of. um, So the texture was a little bit like scallops. You know what I mean? Like a little chewy and but like not quite squid. But yeah, definitely tasted like chicken. It was sort of. It's a good okay. a good introduction to anything, I guess. You can't mess it up if you you, if you fry, fry it. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was right. at a uh, I was at a festival uh, a couple years ago. They were selling deep fried ice cubes. Deep that... fried ice cubes. Okay. That that's a way to make money off millennials. Is what that How is. do you hold up before we get into the world's talk, which I'm excited to get into with Charlie? How does one deep fry an ice cube, right? Like, doesn't the ice cube melt upon deep frying? I don't remember. Chi Chi's used to have the deep fried, the fried ice cream. Mm-hmm. Remember that at Chi Chi's? Oh, that's true. That's true. I don't I know don't, how that stuff works, though. I don't know how it works, but yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I, I, uh, there was a line for it, which is well, yeah, again to because it's a deep, it's a deep fried ice. <laughs> You got to check it out. Yeah, I, I I kept walking. I kept walking. I guess I'll never know. How do we get a concession stand at Camden Yards just to sell fried stuff? We'll make a lot of money. Forget Boogs. And bring deep fried and Twinkies. You should and be able to bring your own food, and whatever you want to bring can be deep fried. That's you bring that's your own. the ticket. Bring, yeah, bring you your bring own. your own food. We, I'll bring a fruit roll up and get a, a deep fried fruit roll up. Let's go. That works. Yeah, Josh, I see in the notes, general chat, you have curling with GCR. Did you want to talk about that or no? <laughs> Do you know what curling is? Uh, it's an Olympic sport where you you, you push the little thing down right. the ice. It, it looks like And shuffle- the guy sweeps in front of it. Right, it yeah, looks, like, looks like, like team shuffleboard or something. Yeah, have you ever, on, on ice. Have you ever curled? I've never curled. Okay. I've never really even so watched other people curl. In Canada, it's like it's what you, it's what you do. It's like how there's like softball leagues that everyone's in softball leagues in in America. Past you know the age of twenty five, you just join a softball league. In Canada, they just join like recreational curling leagues. I don't know if league is even the right term. Clubs. I think club. It's a club. Yeah. They follow soccer terminology with a club. Club. Sure. Okay. There you go. And, yeah, they love it up there. Right. And the yeah. only reason the only reason I know club is because since the Olympics are coming up. We're all going to learn how to curl. Nice. So nice. Uh, if you were listening to Glenn Clark Radio this morning, you heard that we're doing a little 336 versus Glenn Clark Radio curling competition coming up. So uh, we uh, the question, though, is we need a fourth member to our curling team. So yeah. the question is, is it Charlie? Is it the intern who disappeared months ago? Did we bring in Ken McCusick? How, who is What type of person do we need as his fourth curler? The, I, uh, the skip. I think allow me to skips. allow me to lift my resume. I uh, I worked at a nonprofit for six years. Um, 
and I was, you know, in the executive level of the nonprofit, but because it's a nonprofit, if the janitor doesn't show up, I'd like somebody sweeping the floors. So I am excellent with a broom. Excellent. Right. Okay, no, that's fine and good. I'm sure you're fine I'm with the broom. The no rest of us, you need a guy that can sweep. Broom skills. But with that said, sports are all about, and we know this from watching the Ravens and Orioles, it's younger's better. You always want younger talent, especially in the Olympics. Olympics, they're throwing out 15-year-olds out there to do to flip around the bars. You want young people. Uh, the intern is the youngest guy I know. Yes. Um, but, so I, but that's Curlin, associated with Section 236 at least. So but, I, I'm leaning towards the intern, to be honest. Yeah, except curling is a, is a sport about communication. And you've got mm. to communicate and work together to get that uh, rock down the ice. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's called a rock. Yeah. Stone. Oh, a stone. A stone. That's what it is. It's a stone down the ice. <laughs> and it, we all intern, know the like, intern's the worst the communicator. He's like 27 or something now, right? Yeah, and he's married and has three children. <laughs> that's not true. None of that is – all of that's ridiculous. He, I think he's still 16 or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's still uh, young. He, he still forces his ID in front of people to prove that he's 21. Um. No, you're right. He is. He is at least 21. He that's right. 21, that's we all saw it. Right. Yeah. We all saw the ID. He made sure everyone saw it in the state yeah. of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Big moment. Yeah. Uh, but it also is Curlin's a sport with where one guy of your four man team, the one guy stands there and yells out commands, and that guy's like the captain or skipper Ooh. or something. And that's going to be our captain. That's supposed to be the guy with a lot of experience. Yeah. That's none of us. So. Uh, right. All right. So it yeah. could be. If we have a listener who has curled, we have a fourth slot. Oh, you're talking about bringing in a ringer? That sounds shady. I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, Kyle was already pulling for a, for a ringer for him and Glenn. So, uh, just have so have your ringer be a guest a couple times and and also, call him an Orioles expert. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm. That's what I'm also putting out there is for the intern when you're listening. Uh, Go on Twitter at Glenn Clark Radio and tell them that you've been curling for many, many years and you oh, are an expert. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, let them pull you in as, as uh, their ringer. Yeah, that's interesting. So, who, so it's Glenn Clark. Is uh, is my man Drew Forster? Is he going to be on that team? Who, do you know who they're working with? They have not announced their foursome yet. Okay. Uh, Drew might make sense. I hear Stan, the fan, might be part of their foursome. Oh. I bet he's. I bet he's. He's swept his fair share of floors. Yeah, when before. you want to go with a guy with experience, there's your. There's your guy. Yeah. So, All right, I don't cool. Know. That that we're gonna be uh, look for some stuff in the future with that. Yeah, and you guys can tune in, and you should always tune in because it's a good show to Glenn Clark Radio on Pressbox yeah. Online. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah it's it also shows how slow it's been with Oriole news. That we've been already getting ready for the Olympics in a couple six weeks. We're, we're moving on to curling. It's it, we're at that point in the off season. Curling is more exciting to talk about than the Orioles off season right now. Well, when are when are you all covering uh, Ultimate Frisbee? I, I've made it this push before on your airwaves, and I just I'm I'm looking forward to it. And before you laugh, it was aired live on ESPN two twice at two different times this summer. So I'm just saying it's coming. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just saying, you if we ever have a contest with Glenn Clark over Ultimate Frisbee, Charlie Hoppus is going to be the first person I call. Right. He's my I'm bringing in. <laughs> you know what my problem with Ultimate Frisbee is? There's too many too many people on the team. There's too many people. It's basically oh. soccer with a Frisbee. Josh, if, what are you doing? You're going to get a big debate with Charlie. All right, Charlie, little, go. You know what I'd be all for? 515 yeah. Ultimate Frisbee. 
It's seven on seven. It's not. It's not a lot of people on the field. Yeah. All right. Next step. By reducing the number of people <laughs> means we get to make that field smaller. There's way too much running. <laughs> so I'm you don't saying, like to play ultimate frisbee. I, I'm with you there. It's too much running. I'm saying we we move it into a basketball court. Uh, we put some cantiam uh, things on the end, and we're all good. <laughs> all right, Josh, are you done insulting our guests? Can we get on with our show? That wasn't insults. That was suggestions. Okay, well, and uh, I, that's you know what? Of, okay. I think we've got some suggestions for the Orioles as well. So why don't, why don't we get started with the Manny Machado news? Okay. Do, What's, what, and what news is that? Oh, I'm, uh, now I'm see. on the edge of my seat. All right, here, here's your Manny Machado. Ahead, Manny Machado news. Dan Duquette says that they are no longer trading Manny Machado. But, a, but at the same time, there's a rumor that the Cubs offered Alomar Jr., Montgomery, and Russell for Manny Machado. Do you do that trade? Uh, Yes. All right. Can we? Well, guys? first of all, I want to get Charlie's uh, take on three, the three whole guys. Manny Machado saga that's happening right before, before, before our eyes. But just to address you, Josh, I don't think anyone has directly come out and said those three players for Manny Machado. I'll tell you right now. The, the, Boston, Globe, the Boston Globe. Yeah. And then on intentional talk this afternoon I, while getting ready for the show, I okay. saw it. Because cause if you offer me Russell for Machado, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. Just Russell. Forget the other no, guy. No, that's what I'm saying. That's and, and Russell, there's no way. There's still... no way in this in this green earth that the Cubs offered Russell for Machado. Russell, a guy who's a free agent in 2022. This is the game, guys. It's all about how many years you have right. under that's, team control for a reasonable sa- sa- salary. And he's under control for 2022. So he's the guy you want. Manny Machado's under control for one year. And so whenever you talk, start talking about these trade scenarios, people are just – people are talking – they're talking crazy. Uh, but but so I don't I don't think the Cubs offered that. I don't think the Cubs would offer Russell for Machado straight up. Uh, Charlie, not just the whole Cubs deal, but your impression on how the Orioles – I mean, at the beginning of the offseason, I didn't know that Manny was even a serious trade chip. Then we get to winter meetings and it's like – He's, he's probably more likely going to be traded than not. Then winter meetings are over, and I guess Manny Machado is now off the trade table. What are your thoughts on this whole Manny Machado storyline? I, I mean, it's 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 one of three things, right? You And at least one of them is very sad, and that's that you, at the end of next year, let him walk for nothing. Um, Draft pick. That's... That's sort of the one thing for a draft pick that we will we will uh, give away most most certainly. Um, so I mean that's the one thing you can't you can't have happen. You can sign him for a long term deal. Um, I like that. You can trade him, right? And I think if you're going to trade him at this point, it is going to be it's going to be eighty cents on the dollar. But as soon as games start, that price goes down every single day um all the way up to maybe maybe around the trade deadline you might get 80 cents on the dollar again if you find a team that's desperate they lost somebody they're in a good position but they lost a major component of their lineup outside of that like this is this is it and we put ourselves in this spot like we so often do by by being you know inactive and letting the market come to us we've seen that really work out for dan duquette um where we've we've gotten free agents for less than than uh, their market value was. Nelson Cruz is my favorite example. Um, but also in the trade market, we we are always behind the eight ball because of this. Um, 
Zach Britton is a great example. At the end of last season, his market value is never going to be better. You have an ERA under one. Uh, he's got two years of, of team control. That's a very valuable trade piece. And I think if Houston hadn't won the World Series, they'd have been wishing that they had traded for Britain. Um, we didn't really make them available, and not for anything reasonable at the very least. Right. Um, so we, we find ourselves again in this situation where we're going to either lose him for, for nothing or 80 cents on the dollar. If we are going to lose him for nothing, the challenge then is we have to build an entire team around him, right? And so then the question is, if we're going to keep him now, what what in the world is that team going to look like? Right, yeah. right. And, and those are good questions. I would, I mean, I take issue. I know a lot of people are saying losing him for nothing. I, I don't think that's entirely accurate because you do get him for a full season. That brings with it. I mean, there are times when I'm going to watch the game just to watch Manny Machado and if the Orioles were 10 games under 500 and Manny Machado was not in there. I'd be less likely, likely to watch. And so he brings people to the television. He brings people in, 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 in the, in the seats and you get to watch him for a whole year. I think that's worth, something but but you also have to put into that if you if you're keeping them for the year and you're not going to try to win this year then it's a big waste to have them yeah and and then this brings up a really uncomfortable conversation though because if you want to trade Manny Machado to win now and I think there are some deals that maybe you you could do that I saw um Dave Cameron from Fangraphs the editor of Fangraphs he wrote an article um, this past week about a possible deal with Cleveland. And I thought that was more realistic deal where it looked like so- someone like um, Danny Sa- Salazar for Cleveland, who's like their fourth starter. Right. And then um, Eric Gonzalez, who was like a platoon, like a Ryan Flaherty type. And then their number seven overall prospect. One of those deals for Manny Machado, it seems a little bit more realistic, but, but that's if you want to, get a starter who can start for you now in the majors, which seems like what Dan Duquette wants to do, not go full rebuild mode. Because if you go full rebuild mode, the best trade chip on our team right now is not Manny Machado. The best trade chip is Jonathan Scope. You'll get more for Jonathan Scope than you will get for Manny Machado because he has a couple more years left on his deal. So if you want to go that route, then you need to start not just offering um, offers or not just looking to, to, to ship Manny Machado, but then John the Scope. And then at that point, like, what are we doing? We're clearly in full blow-up rebuild mode. I know so many people say we want to do that. I just don't know if you really do want to do that because that could be a really hard and ugly road. So my thing is, and I was saying this since the beginning of the offseason starts, like, this is your chance. You still have. And the problem I always had with trading Zach Britton, too, is this is how this team was designed. This is how a lot of the good teams do it, like the Kansas City Royals a couple years ago when they went to the World Series. You get a, a bunch of these guys coming um, into in kind of their last years of arbitration all at the same time, and it kind of sucks at the end. But while they're all there, while your Zach Britton's there, your Brad Brock's there, your Scope, your Machado, and the contract wise, your Adam Jones, you get these at the end of the contract, but then you go all in to win that year. The problem is our two starting pitchers are. See, Bundy, I, Kevin think, I think especially – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, but my, my, my point is, like, if you're going all in to win this year, it's not looking good so far. <laughs> yeah, I think I think especially with Britain, 
you can we could have hedged our bets there. His value was was so high, and we have had such success turning, um, you know, coal into gold in our bullpen for so long um, that trading him and getting back some sev- several other big pieces would have been reloading at that point. Um, right. So I, 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 I certainly understand the sort of stacking everything together. Uh, but that, that was a hard one for me. Well, so, so I guess, I mean, uh, do we all agree that that Cubs deal is like kind of too good to be true? Yes. Yeah. It's your seems like it, but it's, I mean, it's, there's some people insisting that that's true. Um, but you know how it goes with trades. They never want you to know the actual names that they are talking about. But yeah, that seems too good to be true because why wouldn't Dan Duquette have said yes immediately and hung, well, up, the, hung up the phone before they could change their mind? Well, what it doesn't do, it doesn't address what Dan Duquette's trying to address this whole offseason and start pitching. Right. Because Montgomery is the only pitcher involved, and I think he's a lefty specialist. Yeah. And then it gives you a platoon outfielder in, in Alomar, and then it gives you um, a great middle infielder for the next five years. But it doesn't give you any starting pitching. Right, but we went through the winter meetings. We we learned that we're not going to get starting pitching for Manny Machado. We're not going to get the two starters for this year like he wanted. I don't think so, and that's why apparently now. But I mean, it's still. I mean, it's not like the trade deadline happened and you can't trade Manny Machado anymore. Uh, it's just someone has to offer us something that we feel he's worth. And this this is a really tough issue, right? Because people have a hard time understanding this. Right now, the most valuable thing in baseball is years under control and cheap salary. And Manny Machado is not cheap, and he only has one year left. So he doesn't fit the criteria of what a lot of these teams are looking for. So it's it's tough to deal him for anything. What what we will recognize as significant value, it's it's tough to to, to see that happen. Is this why the Orioles haven't done anything yet this offseason? Because how they handle Manny Machado really determines what their goals are for this offseason and what else they're going to do? I don't think that that would – maybe that's true, but I would hope that that's not the case because if we – if the Orioles trade Machado, we still need a starting rotation. I think the only way that that it's contingent at all on its on each other is if Machado being traded signals a full rebuild, which – I don't know that we can even do that. We, we're in for too much money on Chris Davis. We're in for enough money for, for Trumbo. Um, it doesn't really make sense to do that. I, I think it, it you can hedge your bets maybe, kick the can to next offseason if you want to think about doing a full rebuild um, because at that point, obviously, we have a bunch of people rolling off contracts, so maybe the, the pitchers you look at are, are one-year deals. Um <laughs> But we've already seen a couple people sign for one-year deals, and not with us. Right. You're so not, I, I, I don't. I don't understand the the mentality right now. You're not going to rebuild fully because that makes no sense with Dan Duquette uh, being your GM when he's only got a year left. But what I mean is more of is the reason we haven't signed any starting pitchers yet when we clearly need starting pitchers because Dan Duquette thinks Manny Machado is how we're going to get our starting pitching. Manny Machado completes the rotation. No, I, I mean, I think Manny Machado was plan B to begin with. Like, they made offers, and we heard at the beginning of the offseason, to Mike Fires or Fears or whatever his name is. And I think there was also a lot of interest in Tyler Chatwood. And those two guys were quickly scooped up because they were kind of good peripheral numbers. Um, maybe because people were saying with Chatwood, 
doing playing in Coors Field kind of hurt his numbers, but his periphery numbers were good, and outside of Coors Field were good. And so some of those not not the the top of the crop, but kind of lower level guys that you get a good deal on, they were quickly scooped up. And I think that's the type of guy that Dan Duquette wanted. And now all of a sudden they were gone. And so now he's like, oh, shoot, what do I do? And then it's like people started calling up Manny Machado. And he said, okay, well, maybe I can make certain pitching. But it wasn't there. And so now I think we're again in wait and see mode where there's still a lot of those decent starting pitchings out, starting pitchers out there. But we've seen Dan Duquette do this before where he's kind of let's wait and see. And maybe people will fill up their rosters and we'll be left with a need and there'll be a player left without a team and we can get him on a good deal, which is if you're in a win now mode for 2018 and I agree, 2019 screams rebuild screams, blow it up. And if you're in a win now mode and you're still doing Dan Duquette's thing where let's just wait and see what happens. It makes for a very scary January and February as, as an Orioles fan. I think, I think that probably the, the thing that's hardest for us trying to, look into a crystal ball is if what, what the Orioles main priority should be um, is either extending Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter or at the very least letting Duquette move on Um, because otherwise there's no mandate to Josh's point. There's no mandate at all for Duquette. He doesn't have to worry about 2019 at all. If he, if he doesn't want to, (laughs) Because he's not going to be here, possibly. So there's no there's no reason for him to think about anything else. He's fine to keep Manny Machado. He might be right. general manager of the team that he trades Manny Machado to. For all he knows, he doesn't know. So it, there's no there's no investment there. There's no mandate there for him. You either you either at this point sign him to a contract, or you let him go and hire somebody. Any honestly, even anybody that might be here in a couple years. So they have some some ownership and stake into what's happening here. It's too pivotal of a time in our franchise to let these people manage and general manage year to year. It do, it doesn't make sense. It's not fair to them, and it's not good good business practice, really. Yeah, and I mean to that point, Charlie. Char, that's why it makes sense for him to deal Manny Machado only for something that can help him win now. Because you're right. What what does right. he care about? What the Orioles do in 2020? He's concerned about what they do under his leadership. And he'll be judged. Right? He's judged for how many games they win while he's the GM. I mean, Andy McPhail, say what you want about what Andy McPhail did here. I don't think the fact that the, the team that he kind of built, the foundation of the Adam Jones and the J.J. Hardy and Chris Tillman, those guys that he brought in, the fact that they started to win after he left, I think very few people give credit to Andy McPhail. And he doesn't put – I mean, it's hard for him to put what he did with the Orioles on his resume because record-wise it looks really bad. With that, with with that said, I, 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 I'm, I'm scary to say throwing anybody in replace of of Dan Duquette. I mean, I think if you were to, and I know a lot of people don't like this, but if you were to have me assess Dan Duquette's tenure here with the Orioles, I think he's done a really good job, especially under the circumstances. Like people like to say, yeah, we should have done this or we should have done that. In the given circumstances, you're right. He would have been a genius to trade Zach Britton at his height, right. and. There are some other deals like the Chris Davis, which I think was more Peter Angelos than Dan Duquette, and the Mark Trumbo signing, which at the time everyone thought was, well, that's kind of below what people thought Mark Trumbo would get. But now after they had last year, it looks like a bad deal. And, but, uh, I mean, my point is we can criticize the Orioles and Dan Duquette all we want, but I go back and look at year by year of what I thought the Orioles should do and what they actually did. 
I thought they should have signed Doug Fister. <laughs> I thought was, I thought I, I like Doug Fister a lot. I thought they should have signed him, but as a fourth or fifth starter. But all in all, I think Dan Duquette has done kind of what he's been able to do in his given situation. And I'm just scared that we'll bring in another. I mean, we've had some also really bad GMs for this organization. Um, and I'm nervous that we'll bring a, a bad GM here who's more controlled by Peter Angelos, maybe, who wants to win 80 games and be okay with that and have big-name players, even if they're past their prime. And we've been down this road before. Then I'm nervous what another GM would bring. But I get, I totally get the point of Dan Duquette's playing for 2018 because he's only under contract for 2018. And it's, it's also, it's also with like with any GM or, or same with the head coach, it's what have you done for me lately? What are you doing now? And when you, when we as fans can see these big holes that weren't addressed last year that now are even larger holes that we need to address and nothing's getting done, I think we just get impatient. And um, uh, uh, people were making a big deal about Adam Jones last week on Twitter when uh, he pointed out that he only has one year left in Baltimore as well, that that maybe Adam Jones is ready to get out of Baltimore. And after Adam Jones has requested each year to meet with Peter Angelos, I wonder, as as frustrating as fans get, I wonder how frustrating the players get when they sit and say, I don't know who our pitcher is going to be next year. And I know they know they see it more as a business than us, but there's still got to be a little of that impatience. Yeah, and I'll let Charlie hop on here with Adam Jones, and I don't know if you've read the comments on Twitter, but I, I don't know how I feel about Adam Jones. I mean, the, the, the team leader, Adam Jones, coming out on Twitter and kind of bashing the O's a little bit, but he's hard to follow on, on Twitter. Not hard to follow. He's easy. You just follow him at Captain 10 or something. So, he's easy so, to follow. So, simply AJ but, 10. But remember, yeah, this, this, is also, this is also Mr. BWI is my favorite part of Baltimore. Yeah, well, I yeah, whatever. But – Often when he when he tweets, he like he like throws out like enigmas and tries to like just make make you think like I don't know, but he doesn't like come out with direct answers. And I find him to be a little bit obnoxious on Twitter, like because he, he's all about saying how you truly feel, but then he says how he truly feels, but he doesn't say it directly. Kind of just throws shade and like I would right. rather just be more di- direct. Charlie, did you see his kind of his comments on Twitter over the past week? And, and what are your thoughts on Adam I- Jones? I did. I I loved him. I love Adam Jones on Twitter. I think okay. that sort of that sort of no knowing Adam Jones and knowing what we know about him um, as a leader in that clubhouse and as a leader in honestly in the in the Baltimore community, uh, you know that he's already had all the conversations that he's going to be able to have uh with the Orioles front office at this point he's said his piece um they've heard him or they've not heard him um and he has uh, decided that he's not terribly pleased with with the response as a uh athlete in 2017 you can put pressure on your front office um in ways that you couldn't previously he would look like a malcontent by going to the media and complaining about it um now you can just throw shade as you said um and i view it honestly as him getting uh getting everyone's back kind of i mean maybe outside of outside of duquette but he i think he pretty clearly seems to be in buck showalter's corner um he's pretty clearly in the corner of the players that have been on the team for the last few years um he wants 
like all of us uh, that are so invested, he wants some sort of action. Um, and as invested as we are, you know, none of us have to none of us have to work our butts off all off season and then go play for a you know a seventy win Orioles team, which is right. where we're headed right now. Um, you know, generously. So I I, I appreciate and really and honestly enjoyed it. I think I think that it's uh, the classic tough love thing. I don't think at any point he was bashing the Orioles exactly and more just you know saying let's let's do like we're if we're gonna do this we have to do this all of us are leaving so like let's do this yeah i you can totally read the same into that instead of him wanting out of here you can read the he's only got one year too it all comes down to this year let's do it uh he did two days after that tweet he did yeah, to Matt's point where he makes a comment and then just lets it go out there and sees what happens. He did two days after that tweet. No matter what you say, folks will always create their own narrative. So you create your own. Don't let people that can't speak for you speak for you. So, again, he puts something out there that you can take either way. You can take it in the positive, we got to go all in this year, or you can take it in the uh, my chains come off in one year. And you can go either way you want with his comments. Yeah. But he's gonna get mad at me for for taking that narrative and running with it when he leaves it open ended like that. Yes. Okay. I don't know that it's either of those. I think it's I think it's a uh, like what's the plan here? Like because there 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 isn't a clear cohesive one. Um, you know, at at the have have you either of you seen Star Wars? I'm not gonna do any Star Wars spoilers, but no, you're spoiling uh, all you want. The we most recent care. Star. Wars. I don't I don't care. Spoil it, yeah. yeah. On your air, you want it's okay if I I spoil that for people. Oh, you're right, you're right. This is a podcast. Other people listening, I forgot that. Yeah, you shouldn't spoil it. Some people may care. Right. Personally, on a personal level, don't I don't care. care. Don't care. But you're right. There might be one person out and there. I, who cares. I think so, it's been like two weeks. I don't care. Thank if you, you spoil it. Where, where are we? Come on, focus. I, mean, I was just talking about having a conversation. I forgot we were on the air. I'll 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 uh I'll spoil. So get your get your finger on your 15 second forward button. All right, everybody. Okay, Josh, you can bleep um, this out later, right? Uh, nope. <laughs> So, so, you know, there's there's a plan that's un, un that's unfurling during uh, the the last Jedi on the Rebel ship, and one of the key players is not let in on it, and he becomes pretty frosty too, and he ends up undermining the actual plan because he was never on board with it in the first place. That's Adam Jones. I think he just like wants to know that something is being done, anything, like a kind of anything. Are we are we going hard this year? Great. Are we like rebuilding okay fine like where am i going to be traded to where where am i where am i going to walk to i think he just wants to know what's going on and again i think it's to back to my point about duquette we we need a we need him to have a mandate in the form of a contract uh that he'll be around for longer because otherwise he's going to act in largely self-interest which is makes sense professionally for him um, and it puts again, it puts the whole organization in a in a tough place. Um, and again, I think I think that that's that's sort of Jones's point is, uh, our, our, like, what what are we doing here? Sure, are fans unfair to the Orioles organization because we always demand for them to spend more money, even though when the reports come out last year they lost two million dollars as an organization. Okay. You know, any business that loses money, $2 million is a big number, even when you're playing uh, 
the type of math that that major league baseball teams play. Yeah, and and, and before we touch too much on that, because I do feel bad for Peter Angelos, and I would like to have a little pity party here. Yeah, in a he's gonna he's gonna have to sue but, someone and get some money. But 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 before we get there, back back to back to Charlie's point about about Dan Duquette. I will say I defended him here a minute ago, but the one thing I don't like about Dan Duquette, and I think this has nothing to do with when your contract is up. We saw this happen last year with the whole pitching coach and like Dom Chidi and uh, and and uh, uh, who who's the other um, um, Dave Wallace. This whole drama where no one would call Dom Chidi right. back or something. Communication. The lack of communication and like the whole deal with Manny Machado when they asked Dan Duquette about offering Manny Machado extension. We haven't really talked about the last couple of years. All I'm saying is, and I think this is no matter when your job's up, like let players know. Let Adam Jones know, let your star, especially your star players know where you stand and understand where they stand. Like you should have a very clear idea last year about whether you had any opportunity to re-sign Manny Machado or if he was leaving after his contract was up. Right now, you should have a clear idea of where Jonathan Scope stands, right? And if he's it's, going somewhere, really, if he's staying. It, it's really a stark contrast to Buck, who is a... Uh, I don't, I, you know, he's never been described as as fuzzy, but uh, he's a very clear communicator. Everybody on the Orioles knows where they stand, right? There's even if it's even if we don't agree as fans where they stand, uh, and we have you know Chris Davis batting in the middle of the order for way too long. It, Chris Davis knows where he stands with with Buck. Um, you know, Hung Soo Kim knew where he stood. Uh, wasn't happy about it. Most of us weren't happy about it. Uh, but he's very it's very clear right there's no there's no miscommunications there's no anyone surprised at their role and if anything you know a lot of these guys Steve Pierce keeps running back to us because he knows he's going to get the opportunity that that Buck says he's going to get so whatever Buck says is what's really going to happen and then you know no more no less you know that's what it it is what it is so it's a really it's a really interesting clash of management styles to have that level of day-to-day communication uh, with your players from a leader uh, uh, from itself. Um, and, and, and I mean, it makes, it makes sense thinking about the way that Duquette puts together a team. It's, it's how I feel like I put together a team in, you know, like MLB the show, right? Yeah. I don't, I'm not like checking in on people's feelings. I don't really care if I, I cut someone at the end of their contract. I don't, I'm definitely looking at the scrap heap you know, on the free agent signing or somebody that's being undervalued by their team and trying to scoop them up. And I just like, don't really, because they're not real people. They're video. That's sort of how Dan Duquette has always operated in particular with the bottom half of his roster. Um, and it's been, you know, you, you end up with some Miguel Gonzalez is that way, uh, which is really cool. Um, it's it's just such a it's such a bizarre leadership dynamic. I I always wonder how the two of them work well together. Well, yeah, and we, and we know like sometimes they don't. And there is you're right. There's this aloofness with with Dan Duquette that sometimes you think maybe it's an attribute because he can kind of find these diamonds in the roughs and he's he's not he's kind of he separates himself from the personal aspects or something. But but you're right. But times like this. When you listen to a 20-minute interview, a 20-minute interview with Dan Duquette for 20 minutes, you sit there and listen to him talk. You learn nothing. And you walk away having no idea what he just said, like with no new information after 20 minutes. And I get he doesn't mm-hmm. want to reveal his hand, but like the inability or the fear to say anything relevant whatsoever 
is infuriating. And if he talks to his players and his coaches the same way he talks to the media, like, it's going to drive you nuts because he is. He's a loop. He and, he's never and he clearly does, right? For, for all the yeah. stories you just listed, yeah. he clearly does. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Josh, you're right. The Orioles lost $2 million. Um, I do feel bad for for Peter Angelo. So I will caveat by saying I think they spent $170 million for the right. Orioles in 1990, what, three or whatever. Yeah, they and, made some money. And now I think the, the franchise is worth a billion dollars. I mean, the Marlins just sold. The Marlins, kind of a joke of a franchise down in Florida, just so, sold for $1.2 billion dollars. So uh, Peter Angelo's his $170 million investment is probably paying off pretty well right now. So well, I don't feel too bad about a couple million dollars. Uh, in March of 2015, it was as Forbes estimated that the Orioles are valued at $1 billion. Yeah, so, so now it's probably up to three years a later. So it's probably like $1.2 billion. It's probably better than the Marlins, right? So you're probably looking at $1.4, $1.5. Right. But, but I mean, but that does, right? That's testament to. What, what we said before, like this team does spend and we can quibble at what they're spending their, their resources on and we can quibble at not sign. I, this is the thing, the only thing, not the only thing, but one of the things that infuriates me the most about Daniel Cat, and I think this might be a Peter Angelos thing, I don't know, but the international signing, refusing to meddle with the international free agency, uh, but they spend money. Like that's, this, that's not the issue with this team. Right. The unwillingness to spend money is not the issue with this team. No, it's the it, but it it does come down to there's this lack of aggressiveness in the front office, and there's this there is this attitude of sit back and wait for things to come to us. And and that's not I, what you see from the big leagues guys. It's uh and then it's weird moves like when you're going to trade your biggest star, say that the two most valuable teams in baseball cannot you cannot trade them to. That yeah, but. But but Charlie losing two million dollars, I mean that is testament to the fact that the Orioles are willing to spend money, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think to 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 rewind losing <laughs> losing two million dollars, and when the when the franchise is one billion dollars, yeah, it means that you finished in the red. What is that? Two percent? I'm terrible at math. Right, two percent. Yeah, yeah. So assume a billion, it's probably worth more than a billion, but yeah. 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 Oh, sure. And that, yeah, that 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 is before they did a bunch of renovations on Camden Yards. It's got to be worth more than a billion, right? Sure. Um, and that's before the Marlins were sold in real life for a billion dollars. One point two. So billion. yeah, they're they're yeah. more than a billion now. Let's say let's say it's only a billion. That's a two percent. That's a two percent loss. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but so but, it's a two percent. Let's say it's a two percent loss. That that's just like a thing that businesses have sometimes. Like it, not every year do you need to finish in the in the black, and they've finished in the black for many decades now, pretty much every every year, right? So no, I don't, I don't, I don't feel. I just don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. <laughs> well, I don't feel bad. Like I, I don't have anything to say about this. I don't feel bad. Like it's this is a cost of doing business. Except that the the point of a business is to make money, so yeah, you you have. And to... they've made so much money, and they will make so much more money. They're going to make so much money off of this team whenever they sell it. They're going to they're going to make billions of dollars off of their initial investment. 
Sure, sure. And but you do have to look at them and, and as an organization expect that from the top up they're gonna say, Well, why should I spend more money when we lost money last year? What what is spending this more money gonna do to get more people into the stadiums to make me more money? It's not gonna do any of that. Well, if you spend what you did last year and you still only win seventy five games, then yeah, you should be asking that question. Because with spending that money, the goal is to right. win more baseball and that's, games. And that's a better question is when I spend this amount of money and I'm only winning 80 games, 79 games, that's a failure. You need to look yeah. at I can I need to spend all this money, but you then need to win games for me. If you want me to spend money as the owner of this business, you got to perform as my employees. Yeah. But I, I would take back to you. I would, I would, I would throw it back at you. and. Yeah. And I would say, look at from 2012. Look at the track yeah. record. I mean, and that, you have that a track gets laid. Right? Yeah. No. Like last year right. was bad. Last, last, last year bad. was bad. But since 2012, under under Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette, this duo has done well in Baltimore. And I know right now it doesn't feel like that because there's so many question marks, and this is such a key and important offseason. It could determine the next, you know, five and seven years the direction of this franchise. But since 2012, since they've been here, they've done well together. Right, and and you can take the Peter Angelos and say, "Hey, I know last year was bad, but look at 2012 uh, and look at 2014. Look at 2016 when we made the playoffs, and yeah, last year was bad, but but we'll be good again. Just trust us." I don't know. And yeah, that's what Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter have to say to Peter Angelos. And the question is, is is that enough to convince them? Because yeah. uh, they again. say, "Well, if you, you didn't make us sign Chris Davis, we probably could be doing more stuff this offseason." Right. Right. Yeah, the, the the whole thing the whole the whole thing of it is again it comes back to these people getting a mandate or not getting a mandate it's deciding at the end of this year whether they did a good job is too late they've already made decisions that are going to impact us for half a decade a decade right mm-hmm. so so i agree with matt that 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 andrew that uh both Buck and and Dan Duquette have done, I mean, just miracle working at their times. And there's obviously going to be decisions with both of them that we just don't, we're just never going to be happy about. And that's us as fans, right? As people that obsess about, <laughs> obsess about the sport. Uh, we're always going to be able to second guess. Um, I, I think that, you know, you decide, is that track, re- is that track record worth it? If it is, spend some money and get them locked up for another few years so that they can direct our franchise further ahead. Is it not? In that case, move away from them now so that we can move away from them three months ago so that we can get some continuity going into the future here. Sure, yeah. sure. And it, and part of that is going to come back, always come back to the uh, Buck Showalter-Dan Duquette relationship and how that relationship works. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, I I can't talk about Dan Duquette, and I like Dan Duquette. I think he's done a good job here, given the cir- circumstances. I think he's done a really good job, but I I can't think about Dan Duquette without thinking about Toronto, right? Or without yeah. thinking about stupid stuff like not calling Dom Chidi back, and not Dom Chidi didn't realize that he didn't have a job, <laughs> and when he tried to call Dan Duquette, he was unable to reach Dan Duquette, and the little rifts we've seen between uh, Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette, like signing Hyun Soo Kim. And then being unable to send him to, to the minors, so I can't divorce uh, uh, Dan Duquette from all those other things, and all those other things make it seem to me like if there's one to go, that one guy to go is Dan Duquette, both for because he wants to go, 
and because it seems like other people want him to go too, just because he doesn't handle his business maybe as professionally as someone like Buck Showalter handles his business. I think from a fan perspective too, we'd be much quicker to accept Dan Duquette leaving, but I don't think anyone at this point wants Buck Showalter to leave, right? right. Like we want Buck Showalter to stay. Dan Duquette, like take take or leave it. I'm with kind of with Charles in this one. Either I'm okay, I'm okay with him leaving. And I'm okay with him getting a two or three year extension, but I I kind of agree. Like, you you got You got to have a plan here because both Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette have one more have one more year left. And I think if you're going to keep one of them, I mean Buck Showalter is clearly the guy that clearly the guy that you don't want to lose, assuming he wants to stay. Right, but you got to that's that's the fan perspective. We don't see a whole lot of what Dan Duquette does day to day. That's fair. That's true. Right. Like one one day we we were in Sarasota and we got to see him walk by on the phone in the office. That's as much as we've seen Dan Duquette work. Uh, We don't get to see what he does. So and and if you're going to if you're going to point out little mistakes that we know Dan Duquette has made, you also have to remember the mistakes that that Buck Showalter has made, like leaving Zach Britton in the pen, like Leaving Kim, You're never going to let that go, are you? Like, leaving Kim on the bench all season, no matter what, even if there would be a time that it would be really nice to have him come in and pitch hit. Not using him. You've got to remember, they're, they're humans. They're going to make mistakes. And as fans, yeah, we're going to say uh, Buck Showalter's the guy you keep out of the two. I'd, I'd say Buck Showalter's the guy you keep out of the two simply because he's the guy that the players relate to. The players seem to like him, and that's who I would end up leaning on. Um but you also got to remember that Brady Anderson is in there, and he's in there for a reason. He's in there to replace one of these guys one day. It's hard to it's hard to judge good GM jobs and good manager jobs. But one way to do it, and I think the one way that I look at it a lot, is kind of projected win totals uh, based on your roster and then what you actually accumulate. So I think projected win total I think reflects a lot on the GM, right? This is the squad the GM put together. This is how many wins it projects to get, um, and then what that manager actually does with those projected wins i think it's a good way to judge um how good a manager does how much he can overcome kind of the faults in his roster and and buck showwatcher almost every single year has outdone his projections had won more games than he's projected to win i think that says a lot about buck showwatcher the manager but i think most order fans would agree with me right given the choice buck showwatcher dan duquette take one of those two buck showwatcher's your guy sure sure uh, MLB Network right now is talking about the Cubs and uh, Orioles trade and that we, yeah. that we talked about at the top. So there is talk about that trade. It just seems way too good to be true as an Oriole fan. Yeah. But the, the Orioles need to do something because here, I'm going to look up. I looked it up today. Projected starter rotation for the 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Come on. We don't have to do this. We All don't right. have to do this. We, we, I got <laughs> Kevin Dawson. Get sad. Dylan Bunny. I got three different resources here. I got three different sources. Let's see how much they agree. Well, remember, uh, you can go ahead. Tell us, tell us what you've got as the rotation. Because there's been some stories it, about the rotation this week. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get there. This is uh, from RotoChamp. They got number one, Dylan Bundy, two, Kevin Gossman. Three, G- G- Gabriel Enoa. Four, Alec Asher. Five, Miguel Castro. But then if we go to fan graphs, they got Gossman and Bundy. And then they got Castro, Enoa, and Asher. Okay. But then if we go to Ordles.com, this is the official Ordles.com depth chart. They took an interesting approach where they only have four guys on there. They got Gossman, Bundy, Enoa, and Asher. 
I have a couple questions about this, and we can get to the the who's relievers turning into starters, but who decided that Enoa and Asher are going to get those final starting rotation spots? Good for them. Well, it's it's how the end of the season worked out, right? Those guys started some games at the end of the season, and I think that's what uh, why they're left over there from, from last season. So I like this. This is from um, the Zips projections that um, they, they put on fan graphs. <laughs> it says Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gossman – account for projected to get 5.2 wins right that's the war they get the 5.2 wins um the rest of the rotation the three other starters a combined 0.3 so the whole start rotation is going to get 5.5 wins projected to get 5.5 wins 5.5 and gossman and bundy 5.2 <laughs> of the 5.5 wins that's the state I, of our i would rotation. be stunned with that rotation i'd be stunned if there is any above above replacement value at all yeah. for the other rest of rotation, right? Like, can you imagine if those players are rotation or are replacement level players, that's, that's a win. Like that's a, yeah. that's a win. I don't think, I think that did, I think some of our, well, I'm going to look this up before I say it. Well, I'm going to say it and then I'm going to look it up. I think that a couple of our starters last year were, were below replacement level. Uh, oh, Chris Tillman so. definitely was. Yeah. He was probably like a negative two. Like Chris Tillman definitely was. Um, I, and I'm sure Wade Miley, Wade Miley probably was, and Ubaldo Jimenez. I bet all three of them were. Right, but then that's the thing. Our rotation is a mess because it's empty. Because it's really the true rotation and the true depth chart right now for the Orioles is Gosman Bundy. No one's pitching. No one's pitching. No one's pitching. Gosman Bundy again. Yeah, if you look at Zips, Zips also has players getting starts for the Orioles. Zips projections right. has Tyler Wilson getting eight starts. Mike Wright getting eight star- starts. This guy named Michael Kelly, who's no one ever heard of. They have Michael Kelly getting eight starts. Well, right they now, also have I could get this eight guy starts. named um, Andrew Faulkner, who you have never heard of, Oriole fans. If you say you've heard of Andrew Faulkner, you're lying. But they have Andrew Faulkner getting a couple starts this season. Yeah, and that's that's a mess. And that's what leads to these these articles that have all came out in the past week where we've read – they want to convert Zach Britton when he's healthy. Maybe they should convert Brad Brock. Hey, this is know, insane. You know what? Gibbons would be a good starting pitcher. I mean, can I look? Let me let me just say. Let me. I, I find I found this. So let me let me just read out some fun stats. Uh, oh, great. Jimenez was uh, minus one point three WAR. This is on Baseball Reference. Um, Wade Miley was uh, minus point three WAR. Yeah. Just wait till Chris Tillman. Uh, Tillman Tillman was minus two point two WAR. I think the, the most crap. impressive, the the most impressive though, is in five innings pitched, Edwin Jackson was minus point two. So he almost by himself in five innings was <laughs> minus a quarter of a win by himself. Um, and uh, Jeremy Hellickson in only in only ten games was almost minus one by himself. He was minus point nine. So if these if these three pitchers turn out to be uh, zero or or you know point one WAR, these are huge upgrades, right? Yeah, so like yeah. that's not that's not right. What's going to happen, right? They're not going to be huge upgrades by even being mediocre. They're going to be bad, you know. Oh boy. Yeah, this all those stats and this rotation is projected to be worse than last year, right? <laughs> because because we're replacing. Those guys with guys who were in AAA last year, guys like Enoa, who were not good enough 
to break into the Miley Tillman Jimenez Hellickson rotation. Right. So the, the Orioles entire uh, pitching war last year was, was 6.7 and that rotation projection almost makes it up by itself. No, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> Those guys are, yeah, they're going to be worse. Like you said, they're, they're not going to be better. They're going to end up with negative war as well. Yeah. They're going to be worse, which leads to, and this is like, what's that, um, the onion for sports, like sports pickle or something, that website. That's what I feel like I'm reading now. Whenever I see articles about Zach Britton becoming a starter in the final year of his deal, when he's about to make so many millions of dollars for being one of the best closures in baseball is insane. Brad Brock now has a sweet situation where he's in the final year of his deal and he's going to become a closer. And we see how many, how much money these relievers, not even closures anymore, just relievers are making. And you want to take Brad Brock on the final year of his deal and convert him into a starter, something he hasn't done since Little League. These are insane ideas. The last one I heard was Jakob Bonus, converting Jakob Bonus, whose entire history of a major league professional, not even major league, just professional baseball player. He's been a reliever his entire career. Now you're talking about putting him as a starter. Like this, this, if it wasn't, I would never believe it. If it wasn't coming from people like Rakubako. And the fact that he'd be coming from guys like Rakubako makes it, it would be funny if it just wasn't so sad. Yeah, yeah. Except the problem is it's 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 gone beyond that to now uh national people writing about how maybe it's time for some positional players to fill in some some pitching i lose you guys hey hey this sucks this, yeah, I'm this, sorry. This this does suck. This, I don't know what's going on. This is a pain. Is it on my end? No, I don't know what ends it's on. I think it's just on the internet. It's up in the cloud. It's cloud issues. And what it's gonna be fun when I have to edit all this together though. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh I think you were just finishing your point though, Matt. That was really it was a really funny point. <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? You you just finished with you were saying uh, it would Yacobita, be Yacobita. you were saying it would be really funny if it wasn't so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, and so, then, so when you start talking about like, like let's make the list right of relievers who the Orioles have proposed turning into starters or someone has proposed turning into starters. Like and these are reputable set people like Rocco Baco and others saying this stuff. We've heard Miguel Castro, I guess, is a given now, even though he was a reliever. We heard Zach Britton, and then Zach Britton got hurt. So then I jokingly made a comment after Zach Britton got hurt. Well, now they're going to make Brad Brock into a starter. And now, and then an article was released saying that there's talks of Brad Brock in the final year, no. year of his becoming a starter. And then now Jacobonis, who's been a career minor league reliever for his career, there's talking about turning him into a starter. If, if all of this stuff like is the stuff of sports pickle, like it would be funny and laughable but it's serious stuff that people in the Orioles organization are talking about, which makes it just sad, but not here's funny. The thing. I don't think it's people. In the, I don't think the Orioles organization is talking about this stuff. This is writers. This is Steve Molesky writing an article how he always thought Brad Brock would be the person. No, this is no. This is Kubako saying citing people in the organization for Britain. I don't think for all the other guys. Is for it? Brock too? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it was, but Britain. That's that's Britain's maybe the craziest. 
That's like yeah. maybe the craziest one. Like, why would it's so <laughs> it makes dumb. no sense? Uh, like maybe much. if this is the I mean he started he was the starter originally, right? He was a starter originally and that failed miserably. Then he comes somehow miraculously morphs into the best one of the most elite closers in baseball. Then on the final year of his deal, you want to discuss, even mention it is the fact that you even it popped into your head is insane. The pop that, the fact that you it popped into your head and you verbalized Zach Britton on the final year of his deal become final year of his deal, becoming a starter. Like the fact that you articulated that is it blows my mind. It popped into my I, head. I think I think the, I never said it. <laughs> I think I think the funniest part about this is I can't really think of a a team that develops starting pitchers worse than the Orioles. <laughs> we've had we've had we've had exactly two good pitchers turn out with our organization in the last decade. And they're both there, the two at the, the top of the rotation. And even them, they haven't lived up to their extremely high billing quite. I mean, they're, they're amazing, and, and I love them. But they yeah. were supposed to be Cy Young contenders, and they're not. Uh, if yeah. you look at everybody else, yeah, Britain's in the bullpen because we, we, we mangled him. Uh, Arietta didn't figure it out till he left. You go back, and it's, you know, it's, it's just a graveyard of these amazing arms that never turned into anything. So why are we going to then out of that, take these shutdown reliever arms and we're the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles are going to turn these guys mid career into just even serviceable starters makes no, it's, it's ludicrous. It makes no sense. Yeah. If you want to take a failed starter and turn him into a decent re- reliever, like your Brian Mattis or like yeah, an elite reliever, like Zach Breton, like we're, we're your team. We will take your failed starter and we will make <laughs> him a back of the end rotation starter. And that's going to probably work out pretty well for us. Bring it. But when you talk about making a starter, mm, you're right. Like people have to go back <laughs> and mention Eric Bedard was pretty good, right? And then after uh-huh. Bedard, you got to go all the way back to Mike Messina. <laughs> that's it. And so, yeah, that's a great point. We're not we're not converting top prospect starters into good starters. <laughs> we're gonna how are we gonna produce uh, take a bullpen <laughs> arm and make them into a starter? That's it's it's a joke. So but the answer is good. yeah, we need to add from outside the organization. That's the only solution in this situation to add from outside the organization, and we haven't done that yet. You know what? It Will is? we? But it is. This is just the, the. This is just that the baseball offseason has been too quiet, and reporters have stuff that they need to write about. Buster only the day after Christmas, and I'm shocked that this didn't blow up on Orioles Twitter, like it has. But he wrote an article after the Otani signing, where in his article he talks about uh, how this signing could signal that there's going to be more players that will pitch and more uh, guys that'll flip to the other side and. Uh, more two-way roles and in the whole conversation uh, about halfway through he mentions he mentioned guys like uh, right here uh, as an evaluator mused about Otani's journey the, the, the other day however he mentioned that a position player such as Ryan Flaherty a former Oriole who's currently a free agent might be used in the semi-regularly as a reliever so now we've gotten to the point that Ryan Flaherty is, is, could be a pitcher for the Orioles it's, it's I crazy. mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I actually, I got to tell you, I love that idea because it saves, it saves a, a bullpen spot. Basically, the, the thing is, it doesn't work if you already are taking a rule five 
pitcher, which like is our favorite thing in the world. But if if you if you are going to have all useful roster spots uh, for your for your bullpen, which we very well could, I think. I think that that that's something that I think that some of those the starters aren't terrible relievers. Um, if right. if the mop up innings go to, you know, maybe it's maybe it's so an in, average in, of one to two innings a week going right. to to Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, totally. Like let it. And if he blows out his arm. That sucks, but also then we it's lost our utility infielder, and like we're okay. Like we'll, if we can't survive that, we're in bigger trouble, right? So, so it 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 just doesn't hurt anything. It's kind of fun. It turns like boring games in the middle of of June into must see TV all of a sudden. Uh, I like yeah. it. I like I like the whole thing from from a aesthetics perspective and a practical perspective. I love it. I don't think the excitement's there after the second time he's in in their pitching. Uh, but it is interesting that it could allow a guy like T.J. McFarlane to, instead of being your mop-up guy, he's in the he spends a little bit more time in the minors, uh, learning how to pitch. Yeah, it, it, I think it, and I, I disagree, Josh. I think for our, I'm with Charlie on this one. Eleven nothing game. I have no reason to turn in to to watch an eleven nothing game unless Ryan Flaherty. Do 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 you know who would be a good guy in this role? Is Daryl Alvarez. Daryl Alvarez right, who was an outfielder for us. Or, um, outfielder for us two years ago, right. and last year we decided to convert him into a pitcher, and then he blew out his arm or whatever. Tommy John, but it, whatever. And so this year he's coming back, but that could be a guy who could play. He could be your fifth outfielder, you know, play some right or left field, and then in your eleven nothing contest, go in there a pitch, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun right. to see some of those position Alvarez, players field. Yeah, and Alvarez is the guy who we've seen the Orioles specifically talk about that as a guy who. When he's not pitching, we want him to DH as well in the, through the minors and see how he does as a two-way player. Yeah, so Daryl Alvarez might be not Ryan Flaherty. Um, and by the way, uh, I was even hate to see Ryan Flaherty's mentioned article. You know, my and this is I don't want to hate on other Oriole fans, but people who like Ryan Flaherty and who <laughs> Ryan Flaherty is your favorite player, these are my least favorite kind of people. My least favorite Oriole fans are people who Ryan Flaherty is your favorite player. No, 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 no. I will, I will defend that. I, I think, I think my favorite Orioles players have always been, <laughs> have always been people like, like I loved Jesse Orozco. Yeah. I loved Jesse Orozco when he was like almost completely like worthless. He was just like, <laughs> I don't know, Jesse Orozco. He has his one little job and he does it pretty well. Um, when I was a when I was a kid, one of my favorite Orioles was Jeff Rebelay. He was sure, just yeah. like. Right. Kind of, kind of bad. Uh, but he would always have moments, usually against Randy Johnson. He had a really, he had a really cheesy mustache, which is pretty sweet. Um, so, I don't know. There's just like Jeff Rebley. I don't know. I just love Jeff Rebley. Right. There's an endearing thing about Flaherty, uh, in particular, as as the years have gone on, more more Flaherty stories have come out, and he just like apparently just loves himself. He's just like really like sort of an arrogant, cocky dude. Which is hilarious. It's so hilarious to think about. Like, he, it's it's like so. My my brother owns a Shih Tzu, uh, and the Shih Tzu's name is Duke because even though it's a Shih Tzu, it thinks it's the biggest, meanest dog in the whole world. That is Ryan Flaherty. There's something endearing about that. You remember remember last year when he uh, he's staring down Chapman? Was it last year or two years I ago? Was, I think it was two years ago. <laughs> he's staring yeah. down Chapman and and and. Uh, 
telling them telling them to bring it on in uh, right. a little more flavorful language than that. I love that. Like, the, <laughs> there's no re- there's no reason for him to feel confident in that moment at all. Uh, <laughs> there he is. Yeah. I love Ryan Flaherty. I, I guess all those reasons are the reason I don't like. I mean, I mean the the, the fact that he was taking the Rule 5 draft, the fact that he never proved himself in the minors as being a good player <laughs> in the minors, and all of a sudden he's in the majors as a, as a regular on the team year after year without ever even having a good minor league year just somehow because they're Rule 5 and they never sent him down. I just think it's all a little kind of ridiculous that he's had such a good, long major league career for Orioles. Right. What about his – uh... To be a great what about player. his uh? What about his home run in the the 2012 playoffs though? The yes, he has good playoff numbers. He right. does. He has good playoff. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> so when we get back, that's the guy you want, right? But yes, Kevin Dumb and Young, let's sign him up. If he was, if if Ryan Flaherty was smart, <laughs> he would as soon as the offseason ended, he would have started a, a a pitching situation and and started practice in pitching to show the Orioles, hey, resign me. Because the one thing that he's done to the Orioles and the reason he's stuck around is he's shown that he will do and play whatever position you want him to play. There's no pretty well, actually, as, as, as much defensively, as he's pretty great. Right. If you want to say he's a cocky guy, he's cocky, but in some way of saying, I'll do whatever it takes to be part of this team, which is a positive and something you want. <laughs> it's true. And we've seen some experiments of Love Steve Pierce and Jimmy Paredes playing second base and. And, you know, all the dumb and young and tremble in the outfield. Like, we've seen bad defensive play. And I'll say that for Ryan Flaherty. No matter where he played, like, he was he was fine. He was not embarrassing to watch in any position. I love him. <laughs> I love I'm him. He's the that. best. You, you think he's coming back? Or you think he's going no. somewhere else? <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> all right. Where, hey, do you want to go to my strawberry him? of the week? Do we have time for it and wrap this thing up? Yeah, you want to do a little strawberry? We'll have to. Uh, we, yeah, I don't think we got to get to any football stuff. We've gotten plenty of baseball this week, but let's get to a little strawberry. Yeah, yeah. From a laptop. strawberry or a coconut? Are you a coconut or a strawberry? Now I don't know all the details to this story. And maybe you can help me. You can help fill me in, Josh. And I don't know, Charlie, how much you're aware of this. It's situation. always good for you to report something you don't know or understand. I, I know enough <laughs> to label someone a strawberry. All right. And he is a uh, James Harrison is a snowflake millennial strawberry. And I've read enough who's, of the story to know that. Who's older than all of us? Yeah, he's he's what like 75. 30. But he's a football player. From what I've read, he's a football player. He used to play. We all know he, you know, he had a stint with the Ravens back in the day, and then he used to terrorize the Ravens while in the Steelers about ten years ago. Right. Uh, but he's been on or the Steelers. James ago. Harrison has been on the Steelers. He was recently uh, cut by the Steelers, and then he immediately jumped on the Patriots. And so now he went from Steelers to Patriots. Yes, that's my James Harrison. Did I leave anything <laughs> out? Uh you, yeah, that's basically what happened. The Ravens were interested too, apparently. Apparently, it was the Ravens and the Patriots interested. He went and visited the Patriots and signed right away. Now, are you okay with a team jumping ship like this, going from a playoff team, going to your chief rival, your arch rival, right before the playoffs, who you'll probably meet again in the AFC Championship game? So just this part of the story, are you okay with this? Uh yeah, uh, yes, because it's not leaving the Ravens; it's leaving the Steelers. 
and I, I totally I totally get it. There's a reason that the only teams interested in James Harrison were the Patriots and the Ravens. James Harrison is too old to be playing football. He doesn't have it anymore. What he does have is he's been on the Steelers for many, many years. What he does have is he knows Mike Tomlin really, really well. He knows the defense of the Steelers really, really well. And the Patriots and the Ravens are the two teams that might face the Steelers in the playoffs. So what he has is knowledge. Whether or not I want him on the football field, I don't know. I don't think I want him on the football field. And I don't know how the Ravens would have been able to make room for him on their roster that's already banged up. But I can totally see you're trying to get some knowledge. Even if he has no knowledge, you're trying to play head games with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. And Steeler fans. I mean, even uh, to to your point, maybe he doesn't fit with the Ravens. But have you seen the the Patriots linebacker core? It's it's dicey. He he might mm-hmm. not be you know a starter right away, but he's going to play a role right away. Uh, hopefully for them, not a very big one because he's not a great player anymore. But yeah, for all the psychological reasons you just listed, and for the fact that of the positions that that team needs. Outside linebacker is kind of the one. Um, it, it works out really well, and I don't really get—I don't really get it from the Steelers' perspective. Just hold on one more week, hold on one more week, right. and cut him. Right. Cut, cut, cut a tight end or something. Like get through one week without cutting someone that you know. James Harrison is is a competitive and therefore arguably vindictive person. <laughs> Uh, who is, of course, going to turn around and run and sign with whoever can possibly take him. Right. He's he, he wants to angry. play football, and if you... Yeah, he's... Yeah. Al- oh, yeah. He's already angry with it's the Steelers. Already just it doesn't make on, sense from the Steelers' based perspective. On playing time. Um, as a Ravens fan, so we got to remember, we we had no problem with... We would have no problem with Ray Lewis if he wanted to play more after he retired because we would have justified it with saying... He's got the knowledge. He's like another coach out on the field. So James Harrison, you would think, has that same knowledge and is a coach out on the field. Uh, but, yeah, it was stupid for the Steelers to cut him knowing that he would do something like this. Okay, I think James Harrison – and you guys, I agree that the Patriots are smart for this, but James Harrison's a big snowflake. And let me tell you a couple reasons why. First of all, Ed Reed <laughs> is a similar experience. Ed Reed left the Ravens. The Ravens were kind of done with him, but he still right. wanted to play football. And he went to the Texans who no one cares about. And then he went to the Jets, again, who no one cares about. James Harrison went to their arch rival they're going to see in the AFC Championship. All right, then you want to... Okay, hold on. I'm not done. When you when you talk about... Um, uh, if you want to talk about a player and kind of what they mean to a team, when Ed Reed left, no one on the Ravens organization, no one on the Ravens, none of the Ravens players said anything bad about Ed Reed. As James Harrison was leaving, um, Pouncey, their center, said... Like th- this guy's this guy's a jerk for leaving. Um, this guy Dupree for the Steelers, he said this, and this is to Josh's point about knowing the playbook. Dupree, a teammate of uh, of Harrison, said this. I don't know how many secrets about the playbook Harrison could give to the Patriots because I never saw him in the meetings. And then he went on to say this. He said it is disappointing because when I came in the NFL, my two idols were Debo and JPZ. I think Debo is James Harrison and JPZ is Joey Porter. Um, But he says, I looked up to Debo, that's Harrison, and wanted to learn from him, but he didn't want to be a mentor to us. Like he didn't want TJ Watt and me to be better than him. So you have some players on his team who don't like him, who said he didn't come to meetings, 
who said he he didn't put out any effort. He wasn't he didn't want to be part of this team, um, and he didn't want to be a he didn't want to take a role. And so the Steelers said, "You don't want to be with us. Fine, we'll let you go." Which is interesting because there was a similar incident with. Uh, Bryant, for the receiver for the Steelers, who doesn't want to be there either, and they said, "Screw you! You're going to stay here." But the, I guess James Harrison decided to to let go. Um, but I think that's just a jerk move from James Harrison. No one liked him on the Steelers. None of the players liked them. And he said, "Fine, screw you." When I played my whole career, you career there, they the Steelers signed him as an undrafted free agent. They gave him his career. He plays there until he's 39. Then at 39, he says, "Screw you! I've been with you for 17 years." Now I'm going to go play with the Patriots and play in the playoffs again. Eh, I think it's a jerk move. But, but he didn't stay with him his whole career. They let him walk a different time, and he played for the Bengals. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he, and he had a stint <laughs> with the Ravens too. Um, so and then he, he was eventually he, he's he he's vindictive. He's a vindictive person, and I think. Like whether he's a snowflake or not, I love this story so much because it's like what makes <laughs> like sports it, like interesting. It's so fun. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what, why would he like, I don't know. It's so funny. And you know, you know that in the AFC championship game, somehow that old man's going to get like a sack and a half. Like, you know, he is. And right. everyone's going to talk about Belichick being a freaking genius. It's going to be the worst. And it's, it, and I'm going to hate it. And also like hating things is part of being a sports fan. I mean, so we, I, I just love, I love the whole story. We saw I'm this- sure I love the story. And I'm going to, I'm going to be even more excited to watch Patriots and Steelers. <laughs> right. Uh, right. to, to see this matchup. Well, I I mean, if if you want to make a comparison, to a Baltimore comparison, the comparison would be Brian Roberts being banged up and old, the Orioles letting him go, and he goes to the New York Yankees. Now, well, he went to the New York Yankees and proved that he still can't play baseball, and the Orioles made a good move. So it, it, the question is, can Harrison still hold his own on the football field? At least yeah, for I, whatever, three more weeks. Yeah, that might be a better comparison than to read, but still, like a significant difference is when Brian Roberts left, it was all kind of mutual. Like we didn't need him and he was ready to still play and he left on good terms. But like read the comments from Steelers players. I read a couple, but right. like everyone's talking trash about James Harrison after he's been there for so long. That's not normal. That says something about James Harrison. Right. But that's also we've heard comments all season from James Harrison being upset that he's not getting the play in time. This season yeah. wasn't working out between the Steelers and Harrison. Yeah. All right. That's just a fun story. So it, just, I hope there's more twists and turns in this story in the next week. Right. And I mean, we've seen this. We have seen this in the Ravens organization with guys like Bernard Pollard and stuff that wasn't getting along with the head coach and was speaking out and, and uh, ruffling feathers. And so we've seen this similarity and it'll be it'll be fun to see how how this turns out for the Patriots, how it turns out for the Steelers. Yeah, it's and a fun story. Hopefully, we don't even have to see that matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it'll be Ravens and uh, Patriots, not Steelers and Patriots, right? Yeah, Ravens and one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I agree. All right. Well, hey, 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 this has been fun. Uh, Charlie, we appreciate you hopping on here for uh, with with us for and talk some Orioles baseball and some James Harrison. Yeah. Hey, I I will say I will say the one thing I'm a little regretful about this whole conversation. Um, is on this on this uh, on this sheet here. We've got a bunch of stuff that we didn't talk about at all, which is fine. Right. The one thing I'm sad about is Return of the XFL did not get any burn. Oh, uh, I, I I don't even I, know how I, that made the show notes. I, I added to the show notes. <laughs> I hope that this happens. I think the NFL needs a little competition and a little excitement. 
and the XFL, I think, could be the answer. Oh, my thought, God. What, that, Can you imagine? I thought that already happened. Didn't bringing... that XFL come and fail? Like, what is this? Hey, if you want to go on then to ESPN, watch the 30 for 30 special on the XFL and the impact that the XFL made on the NFL. <laughs> it made a huge impact on the NFL the way we know it today. Uh, from the I camera, love, the camera on the string to the cameras in players' faces, that all okay. came from the XFL. The NFL needs another shot in the arm, and why not it be the XFL again? Hey, what's more likely to make a successful comeback? The, X, the XFL or Rafael Palmero? Who's, what's more likely to make a successful <laughs> the, comeback? The, the XFL. Rafael Palmero playing in the XFL. <laughs> well, no, the, the real That's question it. is, what happens first? P. Diddy buys the Carolina Panthers and kicks out Cam Newton for Colin Kaepernick, or Colin Kaepernick goes and plays for the XFL? I'd like to see the. I, I hope the XFL gets Colin Kaepernick and Tim Tebow and puts them up as rivals. And Johnny Manziel. Well, one of those people is good at quarterback, so that's going to be tough. <laughs> you just got to be able to talk. It's the XFL. Bring back he hate they me. Both can, I love they, that. they both can do that. Isn't he hate me in the NFL? I think he hate yeah, me got, had a few years. I don't even NFL. know who he is though. I don't even know if he hate me. And Dominica too. Rod Smart. Rod, Rod Smart made a Super Bowl. Rod Smart was he he hate me? Yeah, Rod Smart was in a Super Bowl with uh, the Panthers. Hmm. Well, Charlie, I'm glad you got in this XFL talk. Good for you. <laughs> I, I now have no regrets. There's no regrets. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, you can make sure you follow the show on Instagram. You subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Section 56. Follow. We're on all the social media sites. We're on the Twitters. We're on the Facebook. We're on the um, Instagram at Section 36 Show. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Section 336. If you want to follow Charlie's music, he's a great Twitter follower. You can follow Charlie on Twitter. What's your yep, handle at, at Charles Hoppus. Yeah, it's good stuff. You'll get some politics, some Orioles baseball, and some ultimate frisbee. Is that is that about right? Yeah. Every so often, I I, I will live tweet uh, something that makes no sense. Uh, so I, <laughs> I've I've live tweeted the Magic School Bus. I've live tweeted uh, Pimp My Ride, an excellent show that uh, you know very underrated to be familiar. With. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, if if you ever want your timeline just totally ruined by uh, me tweeting something from the early aughts. Yeah, you, you follow me at Charlie <laughs> Hoppus, at Charles Hoppus. And you can also follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. All right, thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Ravens and go O's. Sign somebody. <laughs>